In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Out of a love for our neighbor and concern for the most vulnerable among us, we have suspended in-person worship for now to protect from this awful virus that is ravaging our state, our nation, and our world. And even though we are apart, we can still worship together by the power of the Holy Spirit, because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we worship when we are together. And so I pray that wherever you are, you would realize the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit, but you would also learn from the words uh, of the songs that Jeannie played as the prelude. The one song that she used was uh, Forever, that tells us forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, and, and God's love endures forever. And the other is great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. And through every weird situation in our lives, through every movement of world history, through all of the best and worst times in humanity, God's love and faithfulness endures forever. We hope that you are worshiping with us this morning and, and sense the love and care of your church family through the power of the Holy Spirit and the faithfulness of God our Father. Just a couple of notes for you. First of all, if you are listening to this before 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on September 27th, 2020, you are welcome to join us for our Zoom coffee hour where we will be kicking off World Mission Offering Month with Anne and Bruce Borquist. They are our missionary partners in Southeast Asia, and they are going to be joining us through the wonders of technology on Zoom uh, to give a presentation as to what they're up to in Southeast Asia and what work they're, they're participating in uh, they'll answer, they'll take questions and, and provide answers uh, to your questions. And I just anticipate it being a really interesting time. So if you would like the link to that Zoom meeting, please email us at baptist.church at comcast.net. Again, that is baptist.church at comcast.net. And we will send you a link that you can just click on and get right into the meeting. Uh, there with the Borquists. I'd also like to recognize uh, and, and praise a group of people for ministry that's being done in our church. These are unusual times. We all know that. I, I, I think I can sing and dance and, and read that one backwards and forwards. Um, but in these times, there is a group of people uh, who have been instrumental in keeping the church connected. They have been such a great help to me as pastor. They have been true uh, co-laborers in Christ. And that is our diaconate, the, the deacons of our church, the men and women who, who, are, uh, who are shepherds of the flock uh, with me. And they have been instrumental in calling and checking on people and helping keep up on what's going on in our church body. And I just wanted to recognize them today uh, for their, their hard work in the Lord. And they are Richard Secor, Sherry Secor, Doreen Hunley, Jeannie Vance, Marilyn Millison, Dora Toman, and Richard Grout. And we are grateful for the work that our diaconate is doing in loving and caring for our body of Christ. And so we are, we are grateful to them, and it's always good to recognize people who are, who are doing good work and to be able to say, well done. So thank you to our diaconate callers. If there is any way that our church can minister to you, please get in touch with us. Our website is onebaptistchurch.org, and our, our email address and phone number is there. And we would love to be a healing and loving presence in the name of Jesus in your life. Hear the word of the Lord. I will exalt you, my God and King, 
and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule throughout all generations. Nevertheless, the time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel and rebuild their towns. I will cleanse them of their sins against me and forgive all their sins of rebellion. Then this city will bring me joy, glory, and honor before all the nations of the earth. The people of the world will see all the good I do for my people, and they will tremble with awe at the peace and prosperity I provide for them. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. And when you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. <clears throat> the Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.
Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you for helping us to make it through this difficult year so far. Thank you that you've carried us through the uncertainties of deep waters, through the flames of trials, and through the pain of hard losses. We are constantly aware of how much we need you, your grace, your strength, your power working through even the toughest days. As I pray these words, I am reminded of all the prayer requests of the people in our congregation, church members and young church alike. I am also reminded of those in our communities with specific needs. You know each need, and I left and I lift their request up to you. You have a plan for each and every one. May we rely on the Holy Spirit's power to lead us, teach us, and comfort us. Help us to keep our focus first on you this season. Please forgive us for giving too much time and attention to other things, for looking to other people before coming to you first. Help us to reflect again on you. Thank you that you came to give new life, peace, hope, and joy. Thank you that your power is made perfect in our weakness. Help us to remember that the gift of Christ, Emmanuel, is our greatest treasure. Fill us with joy and the peace of your spirit. Direct our hearts and minds toward you. Thank you for your reminder that both in seasons of celebration and in seasons of dark brokenness, you are still with us. For you never leave us. Thank you for your daily powerful presence in our lives, that we can be, a, uh, be assured your heart is toward us, your eyes are over us, and your ears are open to our prayers. Thank you that you surround us with um, favor as with a shield, and we are safe in your care. We choose to press in close to you today and to keep you first in our hearts and lives. Without you, we would surely fail, but with you, there is great hope. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you for bringing us into this new season up ahead. We look forward to all that you still have in store. We lift up to you in prayer all those who have lost their homes due to the wildfires. As Christians, let us show the love of Jesus and our support for them. With, um, be with the firefighters as they continue to battle the fires. Keep them safe as they work to keep us safe. Let us continue to pray for our missionaries around the world. We pray for their protection as they share the good news with people who are hungry to receive your word. Be with our pastor today as he brings us the message from your word. Open our hearts and our ears to receive the words given to him by the Holy Spirit for us to hear. And as always, may this podcast be a blessing to all that hear it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Our scripture reading for the morning comes to us from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. And this is maybe a familiar passage for some. It's a, it's a passage of great comfort and hope from what I think might be a front runner for um, Paul's single greatest piece of writing in scripture, and that's Romans, chapter 8. So here is Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own. No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from God's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. 
And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Listen, baby. Ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide enough, baby. If you need me, call me, no matter where you are, no matter how far. Just call my name, I'll be there in a hurry. You don't have to worry, cause baby, there ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you, babe. That is the first verse and chorus to the number one hit, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. And uh, we did not sing it for you this morning because I am not Marvin Gaye and Melissa is not Tammy Terrell. And so we decided it was, it was probably better to leave that to the professionals, but it's on uh, YouTube and all of the, the music streaming services and uh, probably at your, your favorite used record store as well. Um, but as I was listening to that the other day, that just went so well with Scripture, doesn't it? And you can almost, and, and it's, it's not a perfect, you know, what, what songwriters call God-to-man lyrics. Uh, it's not perfect. You know, God is always present, always with us. So there's no need for God to be there in a hurry. But nonetheless, art doesn't have to be precise. It just needs to be beautiful and and true. And this is, is true, that there's nothing, according to the Apostle Paul, that can keep us from the love of God. But then let me read the second verse to you as well. It's shorter, don't worry. Remember the day I set you free. I told you you could always count on me. From that day on, I made a vow. I'll be there when you want me, some way, somehow. And we can absolutely imagine these as the words of Christ. Because when we read this passage out of Romans, when we read what Paul is telling us about the the situation that we are in when it comes to God's love, that there is nothing that can separate us from this. That there is nothing that can, can remove us from God's love. Now, it would behoove us at this point to ask, what is God's love? When we, when we use this word love, what are we talking about? Well, there's a couple of ways that we see, uh, we see God's love. In the Old Testament, we see it as God's faithfulness. And the word there is chesed. And it's the closest that we find to the, the New Testament concept of grace. And it's that God made a promise to Abraham to be faithful to the people of Abraham, to, to God's chosen people. And through thick or thin, no matter what the people did, God was faithful to them. It was his chesed. It was his unending, inexhaustible faithfulness. And we got glimpses of, of what we know as what we know now as, as the love of Jesus. And we would see flashes of that here and there. But we never, we only really saw it as faithfulness. That God was faithful when there was a famine in the land and and Joseph's brothers needed to go to Egypt to get food, and God had already placed Joseph there so that there would be provision. 
And then when things turned and the, the Israelites were made into slaves in Egypt, God raised up Moses and was faithful and heard their cries and led them out of Egypt. And he led them through the wilderness and he led them into a new land that they would be able to call their own. And he was always faithful to them. Even in the times of their disobedience, he was faithful. Even when they were defeated in a military sense and carried off into exile in Babylon, God was still faithful. And this is how we knew God's love in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, though, we get the full picture. We don't just have to rely on, on whispers and glances and, and little peaks here and there. No, what we see in the New Testament is the full vision of God's love, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we know 100% for sure, without any shadow of a doubt, who God is. And God's love, God's love is a renewing, caring, recreating love that God has for us. And it's not just something that God has. It's something that God is. And so wherever God is, that's love. And we see God's love. We see what kind of God's love, what kind of love God's love is through Jesus Christ on the cross. It is a self-sacrificing kind of love. It is the kind of love that bears burdens. When you're reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, or when you hear it at your next uh, you know, Zoom wedding, I guess, is, is what's happening these days. Uh, but the next time you hear it read, all of those things, love is patient, love is kind. You can just substitute in God. God is patient. God is kind. Because God is love. And in our world, when we see love, we see a shadow or a glimmer of God's love. When we look at marriage, we, we see two people who are, or if, for a healthy marriage, who are both self-sacrificing for the good of the other. When we see people doing kind things or when we, we think about the, the firefighters who are, who are still working on wildfires, uh, even in Clackamas County and in Oregon and California and, and all over the place, um, we see God's love. Because while, yes, it's, it's their job, on, at the same time, they are putting everything on the line, including their own lives, to protect the lives of other people. And so whenever we see that love, we see God. But we also see a lot of pain in our world. And we also see a lot of hurt in our world. And we see imperfect love and, and imperfect relationships. And we see abuse, and we see violence, and we see uh, hurtful words hurled at each other, and mistrust. And so some of us get this kind of poisoned view of love, or we're presented with a, a transactional view of what love is, where somebody does something for us, so we should do something for them, and then they think that because something good has been done for them, they have to do something back. And while, yes, there's, there's a, a, a nugget of goodness in there, the, the desire to do something for somebody else, when we start thinking that love is transactional, we drift away from the love of God. When we start thinking that, that love is something for one person to initiate and the other person to receive, we see another perversion of love. 
And when we see popular romantic movies where, where people fall in love easily and fall out of love just as easily, that's another perversion of love. So to understand God's love, we absolutely have to look past all of the worldly shadows and look directly to Jesus Christ. And when we look at this passage and when we really grasp what it's telling us, that there ain't no mountain high enough, there's nothing that can get in the way of God's love for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Christ, we will never be separated from God's love. And it's, it's, it's a, an important aside here to note that God's love is for all humanity. But we understand God's love in its complete form through Jesus. There are those who have believed the gospel there are those who are justified by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And there are those who, who call on the name of the Lord, and, and we call them followers of Jesus, and they make up the church, which is God's people. We are now part of God's family. A little bit more on that later. But God loves the whole world. And God wants the whole world to know his love through the church. But as I'm talking today about God's love in Christ, I'm talking about God's love and, and God's faithfulness to his people who are called by the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul poses four questions in Romans chapter 8. And there's, a, there's an expression that the, the teenagers have these days where they say that uh, somebody's dunking on other people. And in all four of these questions, Paul is just dunking on, on anybody who would say otherwise. He's absolutely like dunking Think basketball, think a slam dunk. I almost said Damian Lillard, but he's really more of a three-point shooter, isn't he? Um, but think of, of Michael Jordan, uh, the greatest basketball player ever to play the game. Sorry, LeBron. Um, but think of, of Michael Jordan just like driving to the rim and slam dunking. That's what Paul's doing here on anybody who says that that God's love is conditional or that God's love is incomplete through Jesus or that there is anything that can separate us from the love of God. The first question Paul puts forward is, who can be against us? When going back to sports, and it's, it's strange that I'm, I'm not a massive uh, sports guy, but it's a, it's a pretty decent analogy. We're kind of a, we, we like adversarial situations in our world. We like good guys versus bad guys, one side versus the other. And so in sports, when you have two teams that are facing off against each other, each team, whether it's baseball or basketball or the NFL or soccer, you, you put your best team out there on the field, your best players out there for the, the best circumstances, the ones that you think are going to match up better than the other teams, and the, the, the team that does the best with the best players that they have wins the game. Or in soccer, you can tie. That's it's just the way it goes. So there are many times that when you have a superstar on the team, you put all your hope and trust. You know, I mentioned Michael Jordan and Damian Lillard and uh, Doreen's back there thinking about Tom Brady and <laughs> not anymore. Uh, <laughs> and, and Fulham Football Club have Alexander Mitrovich, who nobody listening to this recognizes, but that's okay. Um, it means something to me. And so you have all of these players that you hang your hopes on. 
and you hope that they're going to carry your team into victory over the other team. But we have Jesus Christ. And if we have Jesus, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And Paul uses the example of God giving up Jesus and Jesus willingly dying for us. And what he's doing here is a callback to Abraham and Isaac. Because God told Abraham, go take Isaac and sacrifice him for me. And in the, the, the people that lived around Abraham at the time, that, that wouldn't have been a that wouldn't have been an out-of-the-ordinary thought. Child sacrifice happened. But Abraham did it. And Abraham goes up the mountain with Isaac and, and he is ready to sacrifice Isaac. And at the last minute, God provides a way for him to not have to sacrifice Isaac. But Paul says, God was willing to give up Jesus, that Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself. And if God is willing to do this for us, and in so doing, defeat sin and death, who can be against us? There's nothing that can be against us. He asks the question, who can accuse us? No one, Paul says, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. And this is what justification is. When we hear this word justification, it's a big theological concept that people argue and debate and have all sorts of disagreements about. But when you boil it down to its, its kind of like base value, here's what justification is. is through Jesus Christ, we are adopted into God's family. Through Jesus Christ, we get our adoption papers into God's family, and God says, you guys are okay. You guys are all right by me. And because of Jesus, we are right with God now, but then when Christ returns to earth and establishes his eternal kingdom, we will ultimately be seen as justified and welcomed into that kingdom because of what Jesus Christ did. And because of our justification, no one can accuse us. No one can bring accusations of, against us that we aren't right with God. Now, we may have sin in our lives that we need to confess and repent of, and that sin can be anything from, uh, from what we would call moral failure to racism to greed. But we are still justified through Jesus Christ. It's just through Jesus we have to work on that sin in our lives, don't we? And we will work on that process until either Christ returns or until we, uh, until we leave this, this particular world. But no one can accuse us of not being right with God. The third question is, who can condemn us? Who can say, you don't belong there? And Paul says, no one can condemn us. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting at the place of the right hand of the Father pleading for us. Jesus took all of the condemnation of the world onto himself in the cross. And when he breathed his last, all of the hatred and condemnation and cruelty and malice and anger, all of the violence that we see in the Old Testament, he took that tradition onto himself. All of the, the questions of whether God loves us or not, he took that onto himself. All of the cruelty that we see both now and throughout history, he took that onto himself. 
and he killed it. He put it to death with himself. He defeated the violent patterns of the world by taking that violence onto himself. This isn't to say that that no one can condemn us in the sense that if we've done something wrong, no one can say, you did wrong. No, we absolutely need to be accountable for who we belong to, who is, which is Jesus Christ. But as far as condemnation about whether or not we belong in God's family, no, we do because of Jesus Christ our Lord. And then there's the last question. Who can ever separate us from God's love? And I want to pause here for a second because I I want to go back to God's love. And when, when we talk about how much God loves us, and Paul rattles off a list here, of, of bad things that can happen. Because there's still evil in our world. Our world is not yet fully submitted to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. God's people, the church, are. Those who call Jesus Lord, those who believe in the good news of the gospel. But, The world is not yet living under the rule and reign of Jesus. And so there's still evil. There's still persecution. There's still hunger. There's still danger. There's still people being threatened with death. But God's love is not ignorant of that. God's love is not something that we talk about cheaply. God's love is not something that we say, oh, well, we have the love of God, so let's just be happy rainbows all the time. This isn't a world of happy rainbows all the time. It is sometimes. I I, I don't want to sound like a downer because there are good things in the world. But there's also evil in the world. There's also the swirling powers of darkness that seek to cause chaos in God's good creation. And God's love isn't ignorant of when evil happens, of when justice is denied to innocent people. God's love isn't ignorant of when hatred marches through our streets in the name of fear. God's love does not try to put a shiny coating on it and act like everything's okay. It's just that God's love is bigger than that. Think about when you were a kid and you fell off your bike or if you were me and and could trip over absolutely nothing. I had a lot of skin knees as a kid because I was really awkward. I mean, I guess I still am, but I just don't fall down as much. And so think about when you would have a skin knee And you would go to your parents. Well, why did you go to your parents? Because you felt like your parents were able to deal with it better than you could. You knew that your parents knew what to do about this red liquid running out of your leg better than you did. I mean, then you grow up and you knew that your parents, you know, are just trying to do their best to make everything up as they go along. That's, that's parenting. You just take a giant leap and hope it turns out for the best and you trust God and that's the, the end of that. Good luck, parents. And so, so you trust that your parents' love for you and, and care for you was bigger than the scrape on your knee. And that's what we have to do with all of the trouble and hardship that we face in the world. And not all of us face a lot of hardship. Praise God in America, we are not persecuted as followers of Jesus. There are Christians in the world who face hardship and hunger and destitution and death as followers of Jesus. There are people in our own country, though, who face injustice. They face hatred. 
They bear the burden of economic inequalities that are outside of their control. They bear the burden of fear over people who look different or behave differently. And that fear often acts out in violence. There are people in our country who are hunger, who are hungry. There are people in our country who are imprisoned. And God's love is still bigger than all of that. It's not to, to deny that these are bad situations. And you may, may be listening to this, and you may be somebody who is hungry. You may be somebody who has been denied justice. And I don't want you to hear me glibly dismissing your pain and your hurt. But what I want you to hear me say is that through Jesus Christ, God knows your pain and God's love is bigger than your pain. That Jesus doesn't always walk with us around the pain, but he walks with us through the pain. Because if we really believe there ain't no mountain high enough, then God walks with us up one side of the mountain and down the other. That God's love goes down into the darkest valley and comes back on the other side. And God is still with us. Even if there's one set of footprints and one other mess of where God was dragging us kicking and screaming... God still goes with us through every season of our lives. And no matter what we're facing, God is still on our side. Because God will have the last word on sin and hatred and racism and inequality and injustice and death. Because Jesus will return and put that all aside. And God's eternal kingdom will reign on earth. We just have to have a bigger perspective about things. Because there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. There's no mountain high, there's no valley low, there's no fear or anger or malice that can separate us from God's love. There is no worry or concern or anxiety or depression or suicidal thought that can separate us from God's love. There is no man-made weapon, there is no gun, no taser, no noose that can separate us from God's love. There is no economic or political system that can separate us from God's love. There is no no power in heaven nor power in hell that can separate us from God's love. There's no ghoul, phantom, phantasm, or anything that we would call the supernatural. The powers of darkness cannot separate us from God's love because God's love is eternal, it is self-sacrificing, and it is made known through Jesus Christ who loves you, who died for you, and who walks with you through every last inch of your life, from your first breath to your last one, God loves you. And what God wants more than anything else is for you to believe the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he has defeated sin and death. And through Christ's church, he is recreating the world to look like God's love. God's love is the first word and the last word, the alpha and the omega. And if we can't get our minds around the fact that God's love is it, church, if we can't get our minds around that, then we need to go back to this scripture and hear the words of the apostle Paul, that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Amen.
See how great, how great. 
Let's pray together. O oh God, you declare your almighty power chiefly in showing us mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace that we, running to obtain your promises, may become partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We thank you for joining us this morning in worship, and we pray that as we sang and prayed and proclaimed God's word, that you had a true sense of the presence of Christ and the love of God this morning. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our director of worship and youth, for leading us in song this morning. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer today. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our prelude this morning. And I'd like to thank Katie Witham for leading the uh, First Baptist Church readers uh, in the creative scripture reading. And to Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making us all sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. <laughs>